I'm Lizzie and I'm Cooper Parry's data scientist. Welcome to our latest stats driven podcast, bringing experts and stats together, focusing on you as a business decision maker and the stats that will help you make informed decisions on critical business areas, rather than just whacking your finger in the air and making an educated guess. Each podcast, we will be focusing on a business area that concerns you and the stats that you should be thinking about. Little disclaimer here, no offence should be taken from this podcast because facts don't care about your feelings and neither do I. Today we'll be talking all things R&D, getting back to the basics, it's widely known yet potentially misunderstood and today we plan on getting to the bottom of this. So today I have the lovely Etchy joining me, she's an R&D queen at CP. Etchy, if you want to do more formal introduction, please fire away, the floor is all yours. Well, thanks, Lizzie. I'm not sure how to follow that introduction, but uh, let, let me give it give it a go. Say so, hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Edgy Axa. I am a director in Cooper Perry's R&D team. Um, whilst I work for an accountancy firm, I'm very much a technical geek and I embrace my geekness in the, in the, in the massive scheme of things. So uh, thanks for having me here today to talk about all things R&D. I love that. You should embrace geek, geekiness. Oh, I like it. absolutely. All the best people are geeky, right? There we go. Based on my Googling skills, I'm just going to crack right into it. Love um, Googling. Googling skills are pretty top notch. I should be on my CV, to be honest. Um, on Companies House in the UK, it stated that there are around 4.6 billion registered companies. So, therefore, I'm asking you, surely that's a lot of R&D claims, right? That That is a lot of R&D claims. And uh, whilst I would like to believe that all of those companies are claim, in reality, it, it, it won't be. Now, I guess one useful piece of statistic to put that into context is that the latest HMRC stats have uh, indicated that only about 60,000 claims have been made in the last period, which is a tiny amount compared to the number of companies in the UK. Um, and so it's it's still a long way to go, considering that the regime is now quite mature and it's been around since uh, 2000. So it's, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Um, so, yeah, it's still quite a lot of companies out there that are just not claiming and getting the cash that they're sort of entitled to get to. You'd think they'd want to. There's yeah, a lot of missing <laughs> it's a it's free money essentially and it's um yeah. unlike popular believe it's not some sort of tax loop that uh, us as advisors are helping companies take advantage of this is a genuine regime that is available to all companies that that are subject to uk corporation tax and it's just a it's just a wonder as to why they're not taking advantage of it so that leads me on then now you're saying that is there any main barriers that sort of people face and why they're not claiming because surely there's there's something stopping people doing that based on how many are and how many companies there are in the UK uh, and the answer is yes there's a, there's a, there is a number of them in terms of the barriers or the perceived barriers should I say I, I guess mm -hmm. the biggest one in all of this is still comes down to people fundamentally don't believe that they're doing R&D. They don't believe that what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis could be qualifying. Um, they don't believe that they're, they're eligible because they associate R&D with sort of 
blue sky research rocket science or if they're not changing the laws of physics then they can't possibly claim uh, for, for the incentives but the reality is is if you're a company that changes anything in terms of the product or the service that you offer you should be thinking about making R&D claim and it's that change that often causes the issues into your company and it's not straightforward and it's that that effort that development effort that that should be taken into consideration um, we're more about the d element of r&d as opposed to the r element the okay. majority of the claims that we help our clients with is certainly around that development area um, so i would say that's probably the biggest barrier Mm -hmm. The second is probably, I would say, often we come across companies that say, oh, but it's going to require so much work. It's too onerous. We're going to have to produce lots of audit trails. We're going to have to produce lots of paperwork. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. The reality is, is it's not that much work into it. Ultimately, we're reliant on them to provide the data to us. We're reliant on them giving us access to their business. But as there's no legislative requirement in terms of you've got to generate lots of paperwork for the purposes of making R&D claims, that's just not the way it works. It's about a, it's a self-assessment regime, so it's all about the right people in the right places making the right judgment calls. Um, and it's supposed to be commensurate in terms of the amount of effort that you have to put into versus the benefit that you claim. You work within the systems and the processes and the information that's available within within the company you're not required to generate lots of additional paperwork for it um, and then I guess the third area which is a sort of a combination of um, you know the combination of a couple of things there are companies that are making claims but they're not making the right level of claims or equally they've got they've had discussions with an advisor albeit a specialist or a generalist advisor that have said you don't do R&D you don't do anything that qualifies and that's normally rooted down to the fact that they don't really understand the definition and how it can be applied to companies on a day-to-day -day basis um, and that's really quite important. The number of times where I've gone into a company where this is, you know, the engineer is like, well, we've had advisors in before and they've told their adamant that we're not doing R&D. Mm, actually, really? So why are you employing all these clever engineering or scientist types? Why are you spending months trying to develop something? Why are you spending all this effort? Why are you reinventing the wheel unless unless you didn't have to right there's usually a reason why all this effort is going into your uh into your day-to-day -day business it's the reason you're employing all these clever technical geeky types in order to be able to develop some of these solutions for you otherwise why are they there um yeah. so i would say those are probably the three key areas that we see still to this day as the sort of the, the key barriers to why companies are making r&d claims okay I think um, something interesting you said there was about how you've gone into a business and they've had an advisor before mm. and they've basically been told, no, there's nothing there. But how do people actually choose the right advisor then? Because you can choose sort of a generalist, as you say, 
um, a generalist advisor that could look at a lot of different things, but they're not specialised in R&D. Why would you choose an R&D specialist like yourself? And then the other question I mean is, how do you go about finding the right advisor for you and making sure you make the right decision there? Yeah, and, and two very good questions. So to answer the first one, it's um, in terms of R&D, why would you choose an R&D specialist? It's, well, we do this day in day out we don't do anything else all we do is do R&D claims we're not general tax advisors or compliance or anything like that we do R&D claims on a day-to-day basis so it's really important that you if you are going to get any advisor to help you with your claims that they're a specialist provider Mm -hmm. so once you've got over that mental hurdle that you need to have a specialist advisor well how do you pick a good specialist advisor well I think what you've got to really look for is to understand whether that specialist advisor knows your business in terms of your sector understands the challenges if they can't articulate to you clearly why is it they believe that you're doing R&D within your sector and understand the processes and the business and and the technical activities that, that you undergo then how are they possibly going to help you explore the full boundaries of everything that you could you could claim for so you've got to get comfort that um you know whoever you're going to pick to help you almost has relevant technical experience within your sector and if they haven't you know worked in that sector then they should certainly have experience in terms of preparing r&d claims in that sector that's why um specialist r&d teams like ours we have engineers we have people that have spent time in industry or have a technical background and can have those meaningful discussions with the technical people within the company in order to be able to extract all the qualifying activities that's the reality that's the reality of how we sort of help capture the full breadth of activities and therefore the benefit that a company is is entitled to to receive um if you're still not kind of sure, I mean, one one place, you know, companies could go to is uh, the CIOT have recently uh, published a set of guidelines as to what it takes to be, you know, what how you should pick a good advisor. Um, and that provides some really useful, useful insight in terms of the uh, the sort of the steps that you should go through and, and some of, and gives you some lovely guidance in terms of how how to go ahead pick making sure that you have someone that's gonna do what's right for you you've got to have an advisor that's there for you is there with you on the journey it's not just about coming in doing the work and disappearing they've got to care they've got to care that they're doing the right thing by you and by and, and doing the right thing for your business yeah and if you're not getting that warm fuzzy feeling they're not the right they're not the right company for you so do you have an example of where a R&D specialist would be better than a general advisor in terms of where you've gone in and made a bucket load of cash for them? Yeah, absolutely. I've got I could I could give you a, a hundred examples. It, we see it all the time whereby where you have um, generalist advisors who do R&D as part of their sort of service offering. They're not dedicated, but they do general tax advice and R&D just happens to be something that they that they also include. Um, and the number of times we've gone in there and looked at the work that they've done uh, and um, seen that they've, they've missed out on a whole load of stuff 
that uh, that should have been included. Um, only recently we did a we did a, a reclaim for one of our clients whereby originally they'd they'd only, the previous advisor only found about I don't know forty to fifty thousand pounds worth of benefit to them. We came in and with our sort of specialist advice we managed to increase that to 250,000 pounds worth of benefit so it, it's a significant it's yeah. a significant increase and and equally as I, as I think I mentioned earlier you know one of the challenges is companies being told that uh, they, they're just not claiming or they're, they're just not able to claim they're just not doing r and I've, I've done um, a claim personally where a company was told you don't do any R&D at all um, and we went in there talked to technical people um, and about a year later we uh, went from zero benefit to about £400,000 worth of uh, credit cash, cash back <laughs> from HMRC yeah that's a that's a big old big old check uh, it's, to, not to from, it's not small at all by any stretch of the imagination and they, they'd missed out on a number of years prior to that because they basically gone on believing that they weren't doing R&D so. Mm. so you've obviously mentioned you've got 400,000 pounds claims I think you mentioned 250 as well what have you seen people spend that kind of money on because it's it's obviously cash isn't it i know i've quoted some big numbers to you but you know even mm. when we have companies that get say 15 or twenty thousand pounds worth of credit for them it's still a huge amount of money yeah. that makes a real impact on their business so i mean the regime got introduced with the initial intent of promoting research and development to happen in the uk and to make the uk more attractive to companies to invest in which it has done um, but actually, I guess more recent in, in more sort of recent times where we've seen a real sort of impact on businesses is it fundamentally helped businesses stay alive um, mm -hmm. uh, because it's helping them pay their staff so that they can keep them employed and keep doing amazing work. So it's not just about reinvesting the money into R&D or further R&D for the future. It's, it's sometimes a bit of a lifeline to companies that were yeah. otherwise struggling uh, and especially uh, in the current sort of times that we are it makes a real business to them um, and even when they're not getting cash back the fact that it reduces the amount of the, the check that they have to write to HMRC in terms of the yeah. amount of tax that they have to pay that money will get reinvested in the business um, so it's not just about the hard cash it's all about all the sort of peripheral benefits that they'll get as a consequence yeah. of of making uh, making the claim, um, so yeah, I've seen everything from reinvesting it back into the business from an R and D point of view. I've seen it literally paying people's salaries so that they stay employed and, and the business keeps afloat. So you get the full spectrum in terms of the benefit that companies get from this. Hmm. So from that, based on sort of obviously, there's loads of different things people could do with this money or whether it's a relief or cash but if it was so I have a business I just want to know how much R&D could I claim is there something out there that's sort of easy to use because I haven't told in the past that I can't claim anything but is there a way you can just figure out if you're entitled to anything yeah so uh... I think, I think, as I mentioned earlier, first thing is, are you changing anything in your business? Absolutely anything. 
uh, in mm. terms of your, the product or the service? That's the first question. The second question is then, well, how much potential benefit am I going to get? Well, mm. there's a quick and easy calculator that I can uh, guide you in the direction of where you can put in some key metrics from your business. And um, we've got a whole load of quality data in the background that helps generate a potential claim size for you and your company, depending mm -hmm. on the sector and the business line that you're in. Um, and once you've done that, you think, oh, that'd be a nice check to receive from HMRC, then just get in touch. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a free conversation. I mean, what harm, what harm can it do to have that free conversation? Worst case scenario, you're gonna walk away from it thinking, you know what? I didn't have to claim or I don't have a claim and that's okay but you've got nothing to lose you could come out with oh actually we've got a real potential to make a claim and, and get this all, all this money back from HMRC um, yeah. it's just a conversation and within sort of half an hour a specialist advisor will be able to tell you whether you've got a claim or not based on sort of the, the bare basic information around your business you might as well spend half an hour to know 100% if there's have something the conversation. Yeah. yeah have the conversation you're not going to lose anything from it so to wrap this up there's billions of companies millions could claim not enough right. are claiming yeah they might not be claiming enough even if they are it's free cash why would you not try it have a conversation um it costs nothing to even just find out if you've got a claim so go to the Cooper Parry website check out the calculator, speak to Dr. Ecce, because that is who you are to me now. You've taught me a lot today. And then, and then hopefully, you'll either make a bucket load of cash or at least know the answers that you've been thinking, answers to the questions you have been thinking about. Absolutely agree with you, Lizzie. But what's important is just going back to choosing the right advisor, find an advisor that is passionate about you and your business and where you want to get to. That is really, really important. If they're not willing to fight for you in order to be able to make claim, they are not the right advisor. Very good point to add. So thank you, Dr. Etri, for joining me today. Um, I think we got back to the basics of R&D. It's been very insightful. Thank you. So that's a wrap. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back soon with another no-nonsense, fact-driven podcast with some excellent expertise. Keep an eye out on our social channels to see what topic and guests we have lined up soon. See you soon. <laughs>